Welcome back to the Ways to Flourish podcast, where we discuss how to flourish through our challenges and elevate voices across William and Mary's campus. My name is Jenny Helmendaler, and today we are starting something really exciting for the Ways to Flourish podcast. We're going to do a series on the eight dimensions of wellness. And so what are the eight dimensions of wellness? Well, this idea of breaking wellness up into eight codependent interrelating dimensions was developed by Dr. Peggy Swarbick. And so it follows the idea that not all of the dimensions are going to have the same level of importance to each person, but if any one of those eight dimensions is completely neglected, then it's going to affect someone's well-being and quality of life. And so how this series is going to work is we're going to do one episode per each dimension. So that's for emotional slash mental, environmental, financial, intellectual, occupational, physical, social, and spiritual. So over the next couple months, every week, we're going to talk about a new dimension and we're going to have the wellness ambassadors from the Wellness Center help us explain them. To start off the series, today we're talking to Becca Galen and Katie Deal. They are wellness ambassadors on campus. How are y'all doing today? Good. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we're doing great. Thank you so much. Yeah. So today we're going to start off with emotional slash mental. And so I guess just to start off, what is that? What is this dimension? It has to do with coping effectively, having a positive self-regard and creating satisfying relationships. Um, that definition is straight off uh, the website, um, William & Mary's website for the eight dimensions of wellness. And so that's kind of like a textbook definition to start us off. I don't know if Becca wants to kind of go off of that. Yeah, so it's also just sort of how we feel about ourselves um, in just relation to our own lives. Um, personally, how we feel about ourselves in our relationships, how we can tackle problems and stress, how we can balance negative and positive emotions and um, just sort of, you know, being sensitive to your feelings, the feelings of others, learning how to deal with stress, being realistic about expectations and time and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think when thinking about the eight dimensions, or I guess not thinking about the eight dimensions, is that when we think of wellness, people often just think of mental, emotional wellness. So how would that differ maybe from some of the other ones or does it differ? I think that they all, you know, the whole as the, um, idea of the eight dimensions is that they all work in tandem with each other. But I think mental and emotional is sort of the, the jumping off point. Like you said, it's what people think of when they think of wellness and starting inward with yourself, being able to understand your emotions and your feelings, how you can navigate your life um, plays into all the other roles. So once you have you know, a positive attitude about some things you're able to cope with stress better that can help you find occupational wellness in your, you know, occupation as a student or if you are able to find time for yourself um, and take care of your own like mental space and your privacy that contributes to social wellness, like having the time and the space to be with your friends and be with people in a social setting. Katie, what do you think? Yeah, um, Becca summed it up pretty well, but there's that just common phrase that you can't pour from an empty bucket. And so if you are not doing emotionally or mentally well, it's hard to be around others sometimes and just be fully present with others. And so it's important that we take care of ourselves and also be there to support others when we are able to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's easy in college to like dump all of the water out of the bucket, like um, I was going to ask you all, like, why do you personally care so much about this dimension? Um, so actually, fun fact, I'm a part of Active Minds, which, if you aren't familiar, is a nonprofit organization that focuses on 
mental health awareness and destigmatizing mental health, um, especially in the young adult population. And there's actually a chapter here at Woman Mary. Um, so I'm on exec for that chapter. Um, and so I just find myself really attuned to this dimension, even if it's more one of the obvious dimensions of wellness when people think of wellness, because um, we kind of already talked about it already, but in a college setting, it's a period of transition. And so, um, you know, a lot of those different dimensions of wellness, occupational, financial, social, are in transition. And so, again, you have to go back to the basis, which is your own mental and emotional well-being before you can address those other dimensions, especially during college where there's a lot of vulnerability and uncertainty because things are changing. Mm -hmm. And we had a really great conversation with Kelly Crace about transitions and transitioning in college and so he talked about wanting to seek out the explorer mindset but something is that like we just don't have the bandwidth to do that if our mental health is suffering already um so like what happens what do you think happens what if we neglect our mental health I think that to answer that question and also to go back to the previous one a little bit, there's such a tendency in college to overextend yourself. You want to be involved in everything. You want to do well in your classes. You want to be in a bunch of extracurriculars, sports. You want to see your friends. And doing all of those can lead to you really pushing down your own mental well-being, um, doing stuff for other people instead of doing stuff for yourself. And when that happens, like Katie said earlier, it, it's really hard to be present in those settings. Um, you feel drained. You feel tired. Um, it adds a lot of stress, um, negative stress, because you can't, you know, if you can't take care of yourself, how can you take care of other people effectively? So starting with yourself is really important. And when you neglect that, like, you know, it can make you tired. It can make you sad. It can just make you feel really lost um, and confused. I remember when I came to college, you know, as a freshman four years ago, like a very transitional time as we talked about. And I was really just trying to get involved in as many things as I could. And I ended up just having like really bad anxiety attacks. And I felt like I had no time to do my homework. I felt like I had no time to, you know, take a nap or just have time for myself. So for me, like finding that personal balance of my or harmony I guess of my own mental well-being and emotional well-being and prioritizing myself over friends or clubs sometimes was like a crucial thing for me to learn how to do yeah and I think Becca really just kind of highlighted one of the components on kind of like the textbook definition that's on the website is being realistic about your expectations and time um, like I'm a sophomore, so I'm still kind of learning like I'm how to manage all the things in college that I'm interested in and also like personal life and also like going back to like the theme of transition. Um, also during college, you're transitioning from adolescence to emerging adulthood. So a lot of scary adult things can become more of a reality and not so much in the background. And so, yeah, just like learning how to, manage your time in a way that's harmonious and balancing your mental and emotional well-being and prioritizing that so you can perform the best to your ability and other assets of your life. Something that I've done, um, I scroll too much on social media, but something that comes up a lot is like wellness reels or wellness TikToks. And so I don't know if it's just me or if that community is becoming more ubiquitous, I guess. Um, so like, what are y'all's thoughts and opinions about 
that side of wellness? Like, do you feel like that it does a good job at like spreading wellness and spreading accurate information about mental health? I think that there are pros and cons to that. I think a pro for sure is destigmatizing, taking care of yourself. You know, self-care is a huge buzzword. Taking the time to be in a headspace that is positive for you, prioritizing care of yourself over caring for other people is really important. But at the same time, it's a very like scripted sort of approach. And wellness is something that's individual and unique to each person. So these reels and these TikToks that we're seeing with like these beautiful people lighting candles and having a bubble bath and like doing a face mask, that might not be something that works for everyone. And you shouldn't feel bad if like that doesn't solve your problems. Wellness for you and mental wellness for you might be going on a run, it might be taking a nap, it might be doing a puzzle, it might be hanging out with your friends or like seeing some animals. There's so many ways to do it. So I think making sure that we don't take those wellness um, social media posts as like the only way to do it is just something really important to avoid. Yeah, and just to add another dimension to that, I think like with anything surrounding mental health online and on social media, um, is that again, kind of Becca said it's great at destigmatizing um, certain problems, but also it's important to note that, and a lot of people put this like as a notice on their posts, is like um, you can use it to find inspiration or guidance or information, but you can only do so much without a, like a trained professional or clinician or someone with a license. And so it's like, just being a smart consumer of information and like taking away certain things that may be helpful, but also noting like noting that you may need additional help and you should feel like you can seek that out, not just through social media, but other resources. Mm-hmm. And another thing that social media sometimes I think supports is the idea of like you can do X, Y, and Z to achieve happiness, or you should do this to maintain a positive outlook on life. But I don't know, for me personally, always maintaining a positive outlook on life or always seeking happiness or avoiding negative experiences is not necessarily, I don't know. I, I of course, haven't done all the research. I don't know all of the things, but for me, I think it can sometimes make us a little bit dull to the, to like just ignore bad things. Not dull as in boring, but just dull as in you know, you're not experiencing the full range of emotions. But what are y'all's thoughts on, like, always trying to seek positive things? I think, like, this kind of delves in and, like, goes on the side of toxic positivity. Um, I think it's good for us to acknowledge that there's a spectrum of human emotions. I don't know if anyone that's listening has seen that wheel of human emotions and they go more specific as you go out. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's just important to note that, yes, we can feel amazing emotions like happiness and joy, but then there's also sadness, grief, anxiety, and so on. And so to acknowledge that there's a spectrum of human emotions and that we can't be happy all the time, and that's okay. And it's good to maintain optimism, but it's also okay to validate your how you're feeling and have friends and a support system that's there to support you through those negative, quote, quote, negative emotions. Um and acknowledge that it's just part of the human experience. Yeah, I think I totally agree with Katie. And I also think that, you know, ignoring your negative emotions, bottling them up, pushing them down is like 
<laughs> antithetical to taking care of your mental well-being. And if you're just happy all the time, like Katie said, you're not experiencing, you know, the range of human emotions and pain and suffering like is a part of life and learning how to cope with that healthily acknowledging that you can't be perfect you can't be happy all the time it's okay to seek help if you're not feeling good and just trying to be positive when you can but accepting that you can't always is just it's really important to find sort of the middle ground between those you have to feel both in order to like you know, live your life to the fullest, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not saying like, go out of your way to experience awful things. Yeah. Of course. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just like accepting that you can not feel awesome sometimes and processing those emotions. Yeah. And, and speaking of processing emotions, how do you all personally care about this dimension of wellness? Like what do you do or what can people do on this campus? I think that I know that you guys have probably talked about this in some other podcast episodes, like stress glorification here at William and Mary, people love to one up each other and be like, well, I only got three hours of sleep because I was in swim till 3am and I had a test and I have a paper and you know, that is a incredibly unhealthy, but B it puts pressure on peers and you know, just the campus community to sort of have this stressful attitude, this like, totally crazy I need to do everything perfectly like I am so hardworking. I'm more hardworking than you attitude and that just doesn't help anyone so you know acknowledging your stress is fine venting about it with your friends is fine but not making it this like show where you have to like promote to everyone how stressed you are instead accept that you're stressed and think about active ways that you can reduce your stress. So if you were in swim till 3 a.m. and you didn't get enough sleep, okay, so how can you tonight, can you go to bed early? Is there a way that you can decompress at the end of the day? After your exam, can you reward yourself somehow for finishing that? Just making sure that we balance like stress and positivity and making sure that, you know, we're taking care of our own heads and our own minds because we can't walk around like stressed and having all the stress balled up 24 7 because it just like that stress has been like literally shown to harm people in the long run so much and making sure that we're not contributing to that and giving ourselves the time to be to enjoy life is really crucial yeah becca kind of becca's points i think kind of connect to the idea that um mental and emotional wellness easily bleeds into the other dimensions you know cumulative stress can put you in a certain mood that can affect your social um your social life and so forth and there's definitely stress glorification at womb and mary um, but i think again it's the most important thing to highlight is that we can manage the stress and do things to take care of ourselves and there's resources on campus yeah so there's the counseling center here at the um, wellness center um, there's also a couple different student organizations on campus that focus on mental health, such as Active Minds, um, but that's not just, uh, the list is more exhaustive than just Active Minds, um, but that's just somewhere personally where we have mental health conversations that I engage in. Yeah, and so speaking of the counseling center, hasn't the process changed a little bit for requesting an appointment? It has changed a little bit. So before, um, when you would go into the counseling center initially, you would um be scheduled for a triage appointment. Um, that has sort of changed to an initial consultation. Um, that happens in all cases except for um, urgent situations 
or pressing. So this does not mean you have to be in crisis. This does not mean you're about to harm yourself. If you have a decision you have to make, if there's something happening right now in your life that you need help with, go forward and get that help. Like it's there for you. You're not taking resources away from anyone else. But if you do do an initial consultation, you just basically meet with someone, they help you determine your needs. And then after that, about two weeks later or one week later, you'll be called back for an appointment with your actual assigned counselor or therapist. There's telehealth and in-person options. The wait for telehealth is less than a week usually, and the wait for in-person is about two weeks. Um, And then basically you just, um, sometimes you can be referred to group therapy. There are workshops that you can do to supplement your counseling um, or individual counseling, of course. And you basically just see your counselor once a week, once every other week, whatever you guys decide works. And um, it's a really wonderful service. It's free for the most part. It's there's high demand, but you can you will get seen and you will get the help that you need. The counseling center is there to help you. It's not a scary service. They have everyone's best interests at heart. And, you know, prioritize yourself. If you need help, do not worry about, you know, someone else needs it more than me. No, if you need it, go seek that help. And the counseling center is there for you. Yeah, lots of great resources on campus and they're all available. So. Yeah, go seek them out. Well, thank you so much, Becca and Katie, for joining me today. Thank you so much for having us, Jenny. Yeah, Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Of course, yeah. So stick around for the next couple of months as we discuss all of the dimensions of wellness. Um, Thank you so much also to our sponsor, United Healthcare, for support of this podcast. Ways to Flourish is produced by Lindsay Heck, Calder Sprinkle, and myself, Jenny Helmendaller. 